0: Luke chapter 7 verse 11 to 17 Soon afterward Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him As he approached the town gate a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country.
1: Thank you. It is great to be back uh, and sharing God's word with you. I wondered if I could start by doing something a little bit strange, which is uh, when I visit other churches, I like to take a little selfie to share with my church of where I am. Is that all right? Can I just quickly do that? And if everyone, uh, if you don't want to just turn, turn your face if you don't want to be seen in the photo, that's fine. Okay, let's see how we go here, just so that I, I can prove to my church that I wasn't just skiving off somewhere. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, say hello, Victor Hubber. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thanks for indulging my selfie game um well I don't know whether um Scott's opened did he use this parable last week he might have but I'm going to use it again uh maybe you've uh are familiar with this uh the, the, the story goes that there's two fish swimming along did you hear this like no no okay so this is good there's two fish swimming along and this seal swims past them and on the way past the seal says to the two fish uh morning boys how's the water and uh, the seal goes on and the two fish swim on a little bit and they look at each other and after a while one says, puzzled, what's water? Anyway, it's a bit obscure, but the point of the parable, <laughs> the point of the parable is fish don't notice the water they're swimming in, right? Um, or for us land dwellers, we don't notice the air we breathe. It's all around us and we take it for granted. And... Um, it's true for many things, I think, including values that we hold really closely to, values that we hold very dearly to. Uh, so, through this month in January, um, if you're visiting just for today, this is what is happening in our two churches, in Mount Barker and Victor Harbour. Each week, we're looking at one of these, 20, these one value of 21st century Australian society. Um, and we're asking the question why is this the air that we breathe and not some other air? Uh, so, and the conviction undergirding the whole series is that we hold these values because of Jesus. We yearn for them because he lived them perfectly. Uh, and and along the way, we're focusing on these four snapshots of Jesus's life recorded in Luke's gospel. We're going to reflect on how Jesus embodies the truest and most wonderful expression of these values and shares them with everyone who comes to him in faith. We're well, helped by this excellent book. Is there a photo of the book up there? Um, uh, hopefully, now is this book for sale here? Have you got some copies to buy? If you don't, uh, you do. I'd really recommend, if there's some copies floating around, uh, it's called The Air We Breathe. We've pinched the title from it. It's by an author called Glenn Scrivener. Uh, I highly recommend it, to dive more into these issues as a really good resource. Um, uh, from the kind of blurb, it says, discover how the teachings of Jesus not only turned the ancient world upside down, but continue to underpin the way we think of life, worth, and meaning. Excellent book. But anyway, all that's by way of preamble. Today we're thinking about compassion, this value of compassion. There's lots about our society that upholds this value, right? This value of compassion, of being sensitive to the suffering of others and sort of doing what you can to help them. Uh, I think you see it in things like our institutions, like public hospitals and public schools. You see it when disasters strike and everyone pitches in to help. Um, uh, This is um, being picked up even by secular thinkers. So I heard an interview not long ago with a psychologist who released a book last year, a secular kind of framework, uh, on this whole issue of compassion. Um, And he said this, uh, research has shown compassion is extremely good, not only for mental health, but also social relationships, connectedness, and for community. Now, of course, you might be thinking there are many ways in which we are not a compassionate society. Um, Maybe uh, you think of the treatment of the unborn, or the elderly, or the poor, or refugees. Uh, But we're going to sort of take that as a given. But there's still this undergirding assumption, this background assumption, that compassion for the weak is basically a good thing, I think, in our society. There's still this assumption. Now, what's really interesting is that people in other times and other places breathed a very different air, breathed a very different air. Uh, So the ancient world that that, um, Jesus sort of came into had a very different instinct when it came to weakness. Uh, Weakness was not something to be treated with compassion. It was something to be discarded and despised. So this quote, if you can see it um, by the famous philosopher Plato, 400 years before Jesus, he wrote, nature herself intimates. It's a bit wordy, but you get the picture. And nature herself intimates that it is just for the better to have more than the worse, the powerful more than the weaker, justice consists in the superior ruling over and having more than the inferior. So you get the picture here in the ancient world, the virtuous thing was for the strong to dominate the weak, to let nature take its course. Uh, one really striking example of this uh, is uh, this ancient letter that's been found in the first, from the first century B.C., Uh, written by a Roman soldier named Hilarion uh, to his wife, Alice. And it's this warm letter. It talks about all these um, normal, normal everyday things. And then there's just this throwaway line in passing. If perhaps you bear a child in my absence, if it's male, let it be. If it's female, throw it out. And then he moves on. And we hear that and we're shocked, right? Rightly so. That's an appalling thing to write and to say. Not in the first century world, though. Not in the, that, was, that was just normal. So the question is, what changed? <laughs> what changed? What explains this massive change where the, the weak go from unwanted, the weak and unwanted go from trash to being treasure, from objects to be discarded to people to be shown compassion to? Friends, the answer answer is Jesus. Jesus brought about a revolution in how we see the world that has given us a very different air to breathe than any other. I think what's quite interesting is there's this growing number of secular voices that are recognizing this. So here's a a little quote from a historian called Tom Holland, not the Spider-Man actor. Uh, but uh, a historian. He's he's not himself a sort of committed Christian believer, but he he talks about being obsessed when he was younger with ancient Greek and Roman culture, but being struck by what he calls the complete lack in the ancient Greek and uh, Roman thought, the complete lack of any sense that the poor or weak might have the slightest intrinsic value. (laughs) So that sort of really struck him. Uh, So, as I said, he's not a um, Christian believer, but he realises that his whole moral framework, especially this value on compassion for the poor and the weak, is because of Jesus. So, friends, what I want to do now is just spend a few moments reflecting on Jesus uh, together, uh, this one who changed the world, who gave us so much of the air that we breathe, Uh, I mentioned before, one of the striking things about Jesus was his compassion. It's the word most often used in the Gospels to describe what's going on with Jesus' own emotions. The people who knew him best, when they looked back and they were writing these accounts of his life, more than any other emotion, what really stood out to them was this man was full of compassion. Uh, And in the original language, it's actually a really strong word. It's not just a kind of mild feeling of pity for someone. It's actually the word for your guts, for your intestines. Uh, So it's about that deep stomach-churning feeling you get. Deepen your guts. Uh, And it's a word that comes up actually in this brief story in Luke's Gospel, which we're going to reflect on together. Uh, a, a really stunning snapshot of Jesus' compassion. So the scene opens. You get this scene. There's two crowds. The scene opens. with The first one in verse 11, they're walking along with Jesus towards this small little rural town called Nain. So this group is his disciples. They're his followers, his, uh, uh, his special close followers. But plus there's this large group of groupies uh, who are kind of tagging on. They've seen him. They've heard him. Uh, And they're trying to figure out who he was. So this big group coming towards this town. But there's another group that comes into view in verse 12. It's a very different group, isn't it? Verse 12, there's a funeral procession coming out of the town gates. It's a really tragic scene. So you've got this scene full of expectation and hope and then this, this scene of tragedy, this group. A young man has died Now, that that in itself is tragic, but right in the centre of this crowd of mourners is this man's mother. We're told she's a widow, so she's already lost her husband, and now she's lost her only son. And, of course, in that society, there was no government safety nets. There's no Centrelink. Um, A childless widow was right down the bottom of the social ladder, she had no one to care for her, no one, no income, no support. So you've got this, these two crowds totally opposite, right? One full of grief, one full of grief and mourning, one full of expectation and interest. And what happens next is, I think, just the most incredible snapshot of this. It's an unnatural, kind of otherworldly, transforming compassion of Jesus. Uh, what I want to do now, I, I realise there's no kids' church, but I thought I might get a few kids to help me if there's any brave volunteers. Straight away, up the front. Okay, I need three volunteers. So you were first. You, you guys, why don't you three kids come on up? Let's give them a cut. Thank you. Yay, excellent. Okay. So uh, I have some things here to just to help us visualise what's going on. Could you guys stand over here, actually? Is that all right? And you each need to take a bag. So take one and pass the rest on. Okay, so what's what in these bags is going to help us to think about what Jesus' compassion looked like, uh, what, what his love for people looked like. All right, so uh, I think now, uh, Vivian, hello Vivian, nice to meet you. What's in your bag? Oh, Let's save that till last. Uh, I think, uh, Grace, we might start with you. What's in your bag? Yeah, so do you want to put, get out a pair and put them on? You can choose whichever one you want. Those are really cool. Okay, so, all right. So we have, put it you can, oh, hey, if I'm wearing them, you've got to wear them, all right? So have got a bag full of sunglasses. Okay, now, the first thing, notice the first thing that happens in verse 13. You can see it up there. The first thing that happened is that Jesus sees. I'm going to take those off so you can take me seriously. Uh, Jesus sees. He notices what's going on. And not just that. Look at who he sees. Uh, He gives his attention to this grieving woman at the centre of this funeral procession. Uh, Now, that might seem like a small thing, but it's actually not. Once you start seeing this, you get this pattern over and over again in the Gospels. Jesus sees people. He looks at people, especially he looks at and notices people who everyone else would turn away from. Who other people would not give a second thought to. That would be my instinct. If I suddenly came upon a funeral procession, I would look down. Right? I would look down, I'd wait for it to pass. But Jesus looks up, he sees this person in need, and he doesn't respond with his own embarrassment, his own discomfort. He doesn't do what a great king in the ancient world would have done or what important people in our world would do, sort of just carry on not paying attention to the small, unimportant person who's basically in, the, in his way. What does it say? The Lord saw her. Okay, Luther, let's go for you next. What have you got in there? I've got two scrolls. So you can get one of them out. I'll take one too. Yeah, I'll get this one if you get it. Awesome. Thank you, Luca. So you unroll it and show it to everyone. Okay. What have we got there? I have a Minecraft heart. Yes. It is a Minecraft heart. That's right. I'll hold it up high so so everyone can see it. A pixel heart. A pixel heart. So, I mean, I... I thought about putting guts on there, but I thought that might not go too well because, you know, compassion is actually about the guts, but I put heart. Um, Jesus feels. That's the second thing. So Jesus sees, and then, you know, as he feels, what does it say in verse 13? His heart went out to her, or literally his sort of guts were so deeply moved with pity and compassion for her, stomach-churning pity. Jesus doesn't hold pain at arm's length, the pain of others, the suffering of this woman. He, he kind of makes himself vulnerable to it. He opens himself up to feel the sadness of this scene, the tragedy of it. There's one more thing, one more really important part of Jesus' compassion. He sees, he feels. One more thing. What have we got in here, Vivian? Okay, do you want to get some out? Yeah. You don't want to put them on? Ah, oh, yeah, they are a bit festy, sorry. I'll put, I'll put them on, though. But you can just make, do you, are you willing to touch them? You want to hold them up? Just hold them up for everyone to see. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So what is the deal with gardening gloves? Jesus sees. He has compassion. He feels. But not just that. He doesn't just leave it at that notice what he does Jesus seeing the plight of this woman and feeling what he feels leads him into action leads him into action to get stuck in uh, put his gloves on and help all right thank you guys thanks for your patience and helping me out you guys can take a seat you can keep wearing the glasses if you want or you can give them back to me that's that's all, all good uh, so jesus sees he feels and he acts but friends this is where things i think actually get quite uncomfortable in this scene uh, there's a whole set of rules around funerals they're not written down like it's not kind of written but everyone knows them um, you'll know them if you've ever been to a funeral when the coffin passes you by you stop you're silent you bow your head you give the mourners space you respect their grief, you don't interrupt them. You see how shocking this would have been. You see how Jesus sort of just shatters all the rules. He breaks all the rules. Verse 13, he goes up and speaks to this grieving mother in the middle of this procession. And not just that, you notice what he says at first glance is it's either kind of cruel or crazy. Um, he tells this poor widow in the middle of her grief to stop crying. To stop crying. What a shocking thing for, to say. But And then in verse 14, he goes up to the coffin. Now, this is actually more like a kind of open stretcher, right? The dead body is lying wrapped, but it is sort of there for all to see. Not the closed coffins that we're used to. He goes up to it and he puts his hand on it possibly even touching the dead person, the dead man. And you can kind of like, you feel the sense of incredulity, of like, outrage that people would have felt. The people carrying the, the beer, this, um, this stretcher, the people carrying it stop. They can't believe what they're seeing. Uh, And it's got to made worse. There's multiple layers of that. this is such a weird and and shocking thing. In Jesus society, you didn't touch a dead body. Uh, It made you ritually unclean until you'd gone through this series of rituals to make yourself acceptable again. So the people are looking on at this and they're thinking, this is outrageous. Who does this guy think he is? But Jesus is not crazy, and he's not being cruel with an amazing, gentle, confident authority. He is the Lord who gives life to the dead. And do you notice how Jesus does this? There's no fanfare, no grandstanding. He, doesn't, he actually doesn't even need to put on his gardening gloves or roll his sleeves up, right? All he does is give the word and he tells the young man to get up and then in verse 15 the dead man sits up and there's this lovely detail here i think he begins to talk i kind of wonder what he said you know (laughs) which is who are you what's going on Uh, jesus gives life to this young man But notice this, he's not the only one, this young man is not the only one Jesus gives life to in this story. I actually think he's not the main person Jesus is giving life to in this story. Uh, He draws the attention back to this man's mother, to this widow of Nain. So Jesus takes her son, calls him out of death into life, and gives him back to his mother. And in doing that, he gives her life. Now, there's something really interesting about what the crowd says in verse 16. Look at verse 16. They say um, they glorify God. They say not only has a great prophet has come, but that God Himself has come to help His people. When the crowds are looking at this extraordinary thing that's gone, that's happened. Or they they, they know that they've just seen God in action. That's the only explanation for this. Uh, And that is a hint, I think, a hint in this passage, that there's something far bigger going on, something more. You get this same pattern again and again all through the Gospels. As I mentioned before, Jesus sees, he feels compassion, and he acts to save. That was the stunning character of Jesus. But Jesus himself claimed to be the Son of God, the one who perfectly reveals God the Father to the world. And so when we see this incredible compassion of Jesus in action to save this woman, what we're seeing is the very heart of God for sinners and sufferers like you and like me. And just like here... Jesus' compassion led him to act and to save. Jesus' compassion for us led him also to act in his ultimate act of compassion. Uh, You see, uh, according to the Bible, death is a penalty. It's the consequence of a deeper problem. That's why in Jesus' society you didn't touch it and you'd be unclean if you did. We die because of our sin, our rejection of God. The Lord of life and when you push away life all you've got left is death need to be very clear it's not it's not what I'm saying it's not as if this boy died for some particular thing he did he's suffering the general penalty all humanity is swept up in all of us are swept up in the consequence of our rejection of God But friends, God's compassion for his world is far too deep to let it drop there. He doesn't leave us in the death that we deserve. God had promised through his prophets in the Old Testament, he'd promised to come to save his people. He'd promised even to bring death to nothing. And not just physical death, but the spiritual death that sort of underlies it the death in our relationship with him, our maker. And so all of that is kind sort of in the background of this little, tiny, powerful story. So when Jesus comes and does this, when he wipes away this woman's tears, when he destroys the death of her son, we're meant to join the dots it's like Jesus is announcing in this miracle that he's come to, he has come to do what God had promised, not just to deal with one widow's grief, with one man's death. He came to deal with the whole world's grief, the whole world's death. That, friends, is the wonderful good news of the gospel, that when Jesus died on the cross... He was taking that curse of sin and death on himself. That when he rose three days later and destroyed death, he brought life and immortality to light. And that life he freely gives to everyone who comes to him and puts their faith in him as their savior and king. Friends, I think we all, actually, every single person in this room, we long for compassion, I think. We long for someone to see us, really deep down to see us, and to feel for us, and to act for us. Ultimately, we long for that because we are lost and stuck in our sin, And in the death, that is its consequence. So maybe this morning you've come and you feel unseen, unnoticed. In fact, I think probably again, I think at some level, all of us do. All of us do. The gospel is the full and final proof that Jesus sees you. You are not too small or too insignificant for him. You're not too unclean for him. He sees you and he knows you better than you know yourself. And not only that, he feels compassion for you. A compassion so deep that he went to the cross for you. In your place to give you life he is isn't he amazing he is an unfailing free overflowing source of compassion for all those who come to him in faith who hold out their hands to to him to receive what he has for them who entrust themselves to him as their savior and king That compassion changed the world, and it can change your world, too, if you will receive it. So I'm going to pray now that we might do that. Thank you, our God. Thank you for your amazing, unnatural, incredible compassion that you have poured out on this world in your Son, our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus that out of your seeing of us, your noticing us, your feeling for us, you went to the cross in our place. Thank you that we can have assurance that because of the gospel, we can know this great love of, that you have for us, and we can rest in it. Please help us to do that, Father. Um, I pray for any here this morning who do need to know your compassion in a deeper way. Please reveal that to them. And be with us all, we pray. Help us to trust you and to live thankfully and joyfully in the light of all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.